Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, where you stay up to date and 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, the host of the show, and I'm joined alongside my two co-hosts and Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 17, and this is our NBA trade deadline special. Bruce and World B, I gotta ask, are your heads still spinning? Just trying to keep up with this stuff has been really like a dizzying exercise. But I will say this. After my Boston Celtics destroyed the Nets and chased Kyrie out of town, they also chased Kevin Durant out of town, too. So take that, Brooklyn. What about you, Will? Are you hanging in there? This is, oh, yeah. This has been one of the uh, busier trade deadlines that I can remember, at least in recent years. We, you have big names. You have mid uh role player pieces, you have key elements going uh, from one place to another and, you know, leave it to the Nets to upstage the Josh Hart deal to the Knicks by <laughs> getting rid of one of the all-time greats. That was, you know, they, we can't own the city for even a day. No. Well, you teed off the first quarter there real nicely here as we're going to go ahead and skip opening tip. And uh, this may be the last time I say this in the first quarter, but yet again, let's discuss the Brooklyn Nets as they called in the house cleaners to clean out the Barclays Center. Hey, exactly one year ago today, the Nets had a budding super team of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Today, they have none of them. These, This team, this franchise, has been searching for the right combination since dealing draft picks to Boston in 2013 for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry a trade that gutted their franchise and built Boston into a championship contender. Now with the two trades this week, they've traded stars for a lot of future considerations and moves that are kind of the opposite of their previous deals. So maybe this signs, this shows a new direction for that franchise. Maybe they're going to follow the, the Boston pattern, which seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah, no doubt about that. World B, what do you have to say on Brooklyn? Well, you know, you applaud the aggressive nature of their uh, their move. They were trying to, you know, they they were in. They were trying to get it every, all together. And mistake number one was really bringing in a inexperienced coach. They got rid. Of, well, first they got rid of you know Kenny Atkinson, who was a, I think, a pretty good coach. Uh-huh. And eventually they they brought in Steve Nash, which was a bizarre move to begin with. We all thought that, and obviously it didn't work out. And we talked about it in the previous episode. I mentioned it. This whole plan, while you applaud the effort, was can only be thought of as a colossal failure. There's just on no level 14 games, one playoff series in three seasons with this group. It's a horrible, horrible uh, decision you know, that they went one after the other. And, you know, they're reaping the benefits. So we'll see how big of a hit. It doesn't look like they're going to take a massive hit, but it's definitely not a championship contender that they had a month ago. Yeah, and you mentioned those 14 playoff games that they did get. I think I saw this morning they had gotten 16 games, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving combined. It's only 16 times that those three play on the same floor together. And so. six in the playoffs. I think it was I think it's six of those one playoff series. Yeah. That's all you got out of those three together. You know, it was fascinating. So last night after Kyrie Irving made his debut for Dallas, okay, a successful debut, they, mm-hmm. you know, I was listening to his press conference and all. He still doesn't get it. 
he still doesn't seem to understand it. He talked about all these sort of things that happen in Brooklyn and this happened and this happened, but he doesn't seem to kind of insert himself into the equation like, and that happened because of me and that happened because <laughs> yeah. of me and that domino fell because I pulled this BS. I didn't get a vaccine. Everyone else got a vaccine. I, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like he's a passive observer as opposed to the the tumor in the body of the Nets. And by the way, it, it, and he's never going to get it either. And it speaks volumes, I think, to how the Nets view these three players in that James Harden, they worked out a deal where he wanted to go last year in Philly. KD's always made no secret about wanting to go to Phoenix. Where did he end up in Phoenix? Kyrie made no secret, or no secret at least, where he wanted to end up in L.A. So where did they send him? Dallas. Yeah, I so, thought I, I I thought that pettiness on that on on Joe Sy's behalf was refreshingly old school. I love absolutely. that. Absolutely, no problem with it at all. It's, hey, I'm the one paying the money. I'll make the decisions. Now it, it's what's best for the impact. You know, he can screw over Kyrie all he wants. How much is it going to screw over his franchise? I think he got a good return on it, so that works out. But I don't think you not don't send him to. LA to spite him and send him somewhere else and get screwed yourself. I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think sending them to Dallas with the return they got was fine. It was just better on top of everything that they didn't send him where he wanted to go. Hey, Ross, yeah. do you think, yep. Russ, do you think that, that Mark Cuban of Shark Tank fame, who is like a, as shrewd of a businessman as there is, you think Kyrie's going to stick it up his after this season and just say, I'm going to go sign with the Lakers now. See you, Mark. I I do have my questions in regards to that, and I'm kind of surprised. I think I mentioned this last episode with Dave Woolon as our guest, but uh, I'm surprised that uh, this is the big swing in order to keep Ky- or to keep uh, Luka Doncic happy. I mean, you really kind of get one crack at one of these big splashes, and uh, he took it. He took his swing with Kyrie Irving, who's been the most unreliable and uh, kind of unpredictable player we've seen in recent memory, maybe in history of the NBA. Um, I, I can't date it past like the 1990s, but he's got to definitely be up there. And, you know, there's already rumors swirling about Kyrie still being interested in Phoenix. I mean, as of now, as I said on the last show, Kyrie Irving is is should be looked at as a rental this year. I mean, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, last night did look pretty good. I mean, I think he had 20 plus points and, Dallas pulled off the big victory on the road against the Clippers. Um, but with KD going to Phoenix, um, the Suns had been rumored and uh, it seemed confirmed because Chris Paul was asked about it being dangled to Brooklyn for Kyrie Irving um, before, you know, they'd ultimately took the Dallas package. So what's not to say Chris Paul couldn't be traded this summer by new owner, Matt Ishbia, who definitely seems to, uh, have some guts here as we'll talk about their trade for, for Kevin Durant and the package they sent. Um, but keep an eye on that. I think Kyrie Irving and, uh, you know, maybe landing in Phoenix isn't out of the question yet. And that should be a concern to Mr. Shark Tank and Mark Cuban. You know, back to Brooklyn, I think I'm going to, I'm going to give Sean Marks some credit for these moves. Okay. Kyrie was a cancer. All right. KD has wanted out for a while. So in addition to all the picks from Phoenix and Dallas, because they got picks from Dallas too, they've added Spencer Dinwiddie, 
Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and then they took Jay Crowder and turned him around for five second-round draft picks to Milwaukee. So you put them with that core of Nick Claxton, 40-point scoring machine Cam Thomas, <laughs> uh, Royce O'Neal, if they keep him, and he, I would, I mean, a lot of teams would like Royce O'Neal, but un- unless we're behind on our wire service copy here, I, I guess he's still there. And and here's an opportunity one more time for Ben Simmons to kind of step up and be more than what he's been. So although some of this was created by Sean Marks, I think he did a damn good job of cleaning this thing up and, and setting them on a course to, you know, for the franchise to move forward. I think they're better off today than they were a week ago, even if their record won't be as good the rest of the season. I think uh, their lineup that they could potentially throw out there with Dinwiddie, the suddenly uh, scoring machine that is Cam Thomas, uh, Mikhail Bridges, who we mentioned, I think this is an opportunity for him to become an all-star in this, not only on this team, but in this market. Uh, Claxton, who's going to be a contender for most improved player. And then it's either Ben Simmons or, you know, Finney Smith or whatever you want to put at that uh, to wrap up the starting five. That's, that's not a bad lineup. It's not a championship lineup, but it's not a bit. It's an it's a playoff lineup, I think, and it's definitely a lockdown defensive lineup where teams are going. You know, teams are going to have trouble scoring on that on that group. I think, and it's an amazing thing to go from where they were a month ago before Kevin Durant got hurt to where they are now. Not just that those guys are gone. The roster that is. There, they're not, you know, the Spurs roster. They actually have people, teams, in, or players in place to do something this year, and they have all those picks and all those things coming up in the future to either use or parlay into something else. And and um, sorry, Ross, I just want to say one thing quick. Then you jump in. I looked at their schedule. They got twenty eight games to go. I looked at their schedule. I think it's very realistic, even with integrating all these new guys into the team and all. And that's another thing we'll talk about maybe in a minute with Jacques Vaughn's challenge. I think they have a really good chance to go fourteen and fourteen. Okay, that puts them at forty six wins. And I think 46 wins in the East this year gets you the number six spot. So I think they could actually make it into the postseason without having to do the the play-in thing. Go ahead, Ross. Sorry. Yeah, and I'll say this in regards to the new roster and the new roster makeup of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you look at this group, and what's not to say they're not the second coming of the Utah Jazz? I mean, we're, we were looking at the Utah Jazz coming into this season, not really having much there. And I, I see a lot of similarities between the two groups. You've got, obviously, a shot blocker and Nick Claxton, kind of like the Walker Kessler. You've got a, a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie that can maybe be a guy like Laurie Marketing, not to that degree, but like he has put up some big games when Luca's been out on Dallas. Yeah. He's going to get more of an opportunity to go ahead and uh, step up and perform. And uh, Mikel Bridges, I know this is a guy we mentioned off air and we'll be, maybe I'll let you elaborate on it because you were pretty passionate about it, but he's going to have an opportunity to step up and really show what he can do on the offensive side. We know what he can do defensively. He's put up some great games in Devin Booker's absence. He's going to get a chance to really step up and have a role as a go-to primary scorer uh, on the wing for Brooklyn. And I think in general, they they acquired a lot of guys that have a lot of good experience going ahead and uh, 
you know, helping out teams however they may. And now they're getting that big chance to kind of prove what they can do. And I think they're, they got a lot of unselfish players. I think these guys are going to make the right pass, make the right play. And that's what's going down in Utah. And they've had a lot of success with it. And the other thing is, too, I agree. And I think the other thing is, too, they're in New York City, too. We all talk about the Knicks. The Knicks yep. are my team, blah, blah, blah. And it's always the lure of the garden. No matter how bad the pieces are that, that the Knicks throw out there in past years, it's the lure of the garden. It's being in New York that is somehow an attraction. Well, Brooklyn's right there, too. You get They get the same market as the Knicks do. And they have players now. Now, I'll be honest with you, you throw out that starting five, like I just mentioned, the potential starting five against the Knicks starting five, it's at least a, a, a tight one. It's not, a, you know, you don't just dismiss because the Knicks have an all-star in Randall and a potential all-star in uh, Jalen Brunson. You don't just immediately give them the edge. So I think they have the market for these guys to stay focused and play hard. They have, obviously, with a guy like uh, Mikhail Bridges, have a uh, Cam Johnson, have a pedigree of success at the championship level, at least making it to that point, to uh, to stay focused and stay uh, busy. And I, I agree with you. I think Mikhail Bridges, I just mentioned, has a chance to become the man on a team like this and become an all-star caliber player with his defense and his scoring ability without having to worry about Booker anymore getting his point. Not that he was ever worried, but this is his opportunity to be a number one guy. I think one of the things that, that, I mean, Jacques Vaughn throughout all of this turmoil with this team since he took over, I think most people would agree that he's done a really, really good job managing that team. This is a challenge, though. This is going to be like training camp with a ton of new guys coming to the team in the middle of a season, 54 games in, 28 to go, competing for a playoff spot. Uh, I said before, if they can manage to play 500 the rest of the way, there's probably going to be in the top six. But a, a lot of people are going to be looking at how Jacques Vaughn handles this. And if he is able to kind of get these guys on the same page and and kind of instill a spirit on that team, an underdog spirit, the world, nobody wanted us, but we want us, you know, rah, 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 that kind of thing. Uh his stock has the potential to go way up as a coach as he as he navigates this. I think they have their coach, too. I agree with you. I think on top of everything else we just mentioned, they have their coach to go forward with this group. I think the way he is uh, commanded, I, it feels like he has got he had the respect of Kyrie and KD while he was there, while they were, you know, they both, uh, you know, thought very highly. You didn't hear any criticism of him while they were, playing well after the uh, coaching change. So I think they that's have their, on top of everything else, they have their coach to lead this group. So I think that's a, another good uh, thing going for the Nets. And Cam Johnson's another guy who's got a contract year going on. He's looking to get paid this summer as one of the premier shooters in the league. He's going to have a big chance to show off that, that shot here and, and get even more touches with, with Brooklyn. And uh Totally agree, Bruce. I mean, you look at their their roster, and they've got a bunch of second round or G League guys. That that's how they made their way to the NBA. Seth Curry came from the G League. Mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie came from the G League. Cam Thomas has been buried on the bench until recently, and now he's putting up historical numbers with back to back forty point games. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
I think they're a league pass watch. I'll, I'll be definitely looking forward to seeing what they do from here on out. And I think the Brooklyn fans are really going to embrace this team. I think they're going to be like, we finally have people that want to be here. You know, yep. May, we're maybe not we're going to maybe not win the championship, but these are our guys now. I yeah. I totally agree. I think they're they're ticked off about how all this went down, and I think they have a lineup that they can get behind. As long as those guys you know play hard, there's obviously we mentioned you know throughout this uh, segment. They have a lot. There's a lot of talent on that in that group. You know, they came from the G League, or they weren't highly. But there's a lot of talent that's developed into. I mean, Nick Claxton is going to be, you know, one of the candidates for most improved player and defensive player of the year. I mean, he's that he's improved that much. And there's enough guys on this team with a good structured coach and a staff. I I agree. I think the fans are going to get behind this group, and I I don't think I think there's going to be. They're certainly a playoff team. They're not falling out of the playoff group. So as we venture into our second quarter here, let's talk about the second half of that big trade. Uh, Probably the biggest trade in Phoenix Suns history. I think it definitely rivals the Charles Barkley acquisition by the Suns. I mean, obviously they made it to the finals, so pressure's on. But Kevin Durant headed to the Valley of the Sun. Uh, We talked about uh, what Phoenix gave up. Um, it came on a day when Matt Ishbia was in, uh, had it held his in the introductory press conference and even told the media, ironically, that he loved the team that was in place. Well, how much did you love it? You just traded him all pretty much the, the young <laughs> core away to get Kevin Durant. But uh, don't think anyone is uh, too disappointed with that. Uh, how are you guys looking at Phoenix here with uh, Kevin Durant being partnered up with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and, um, you know, one of the guys that was – you know, tagged along as maybe being traded for KD was DeAndre Ayton, and they were able to keep him. So uh, what's your first takeaways and first reactions to the new Suns core? Going into the season, Phoenix was my team to come out of the West. Now, I certainly didn't envision this team looking like it does right <laughs> now. I mean, who who knew? But uh, I think this puts them right up there with Denver. My concern for them is um, they – they um, they're very top heavy and I'm wondering if they're going to have enough depth should anybody else get injured. And you've got an old man in Chris Paul, you've got a frequently injured guy in Kevin Durant. You've got a sometimes injured guy in Devin Booker. Um, So if one of those guys goes down, you know, who's going to be able to step up for that team? I mean, TJ Warren, I guess will help, you know, but uh, you know, and I know Ross, he's a favorite of yours. Um, But uh, so so he's probably going to get a real big chance there, too. But I'd say I'd, I'd kind of put them right there with Denver now. I'd, I think maybe even ahead of Memphis, which I'm kind of surprising myself even saying that. Yeah, I think they're definitely right at, right atop the West and might be the favorites now outside of Denver. Um, you know, just the, the powerhouse combination of bringing Kevin Durant in just completely changes the landscape of the West and – you know, I, I I was sort of surprised there weren't other moves made by a team such as Memphis to try to improve their roster to try to keep up here because uh, I think the Suns are, are definitely number two right now, even though it's still in an unproven uh, state with Kevin Durant haven't even landed in Phoenix just yet. But uh, I think they'll be fine. I think Landry Shamit's going to have to step up in addition to TJ Warren. Obviously, Torrey Craig's probably going to be that starting uh 
grunt worker on the boards and just guarding tougher guys. Uh, but he has shown an ability to do that was with this Phoenix Suns team when they faced the Bucks in the finals. So he's got some good experience. And then, you know, they're, they're really banking on the health of Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne's going to have to come back in and, uh, go ahead and, and provide some good minutes because let's face it, it's nice that uh, Chris Paul's back, but I still think they need to keep an eye on those minutes and make sure that, uh, you know, he doesn't come down with injury because everything could come cr- uh, falling, crashing right down on this team. Once again, if uh, Chris Paul were to go down or if Kevin Durant comes back and they don't monitor uh, his minutes as well. So that's the only the only thing I'm a little concerned about is all the draft capital they gave up, all the young players. They kind of got rid of their depth. And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Chris Paul are both aging with lots of miles. So that would be the one concern. But overall, I think Suns fans should be celebrating and very happy with this deal. World I'll B? tell you this. I, I think uh, health is the biggest factor with this team, as you just mentioned, um, with Booker coming back with KD's injury with Chris Paul uh, in and out of the lineup because of age and wear and tear, not to mention campaign. I will say this. If everybody's healthy, well, you it's going to have a hard time convincing me there's a better team out in the West than this group, um, mm-hmm. including Denver, which I think Denver's starting to play much better on the defensive end where I thought that was their uh, deficiency. They're starting to – they've gone from the bottom to the middle of the pack, so they're starting to pick it up. But that lineup is really, really tough. You're going to have to guard Booker. You're going to have to guard KD, two of the best scorers we have in the league. DeAndre Ayton is is suddenly become a superstar in the middle of the last couple of games. Uh, I don't think their their depth is a concern if their health is not great. If they're, if they're all healthy, if they can figure out a way to last the season – then you have Shamit and uh, Campaign coming off the bench at, at the guards, and you have uh, uh, oh, who the Damian Lee. Uh, Damian Lee can can come off the bench there. Uh, T.J. Warren can come off the bench. They have pieces to fill the roles that you you sent away to get Kevin Durant. So I think that it's the same case with a lot of these teams. Health is a big concern going forward. The Clippers have health issues even though everybody's healthy at the moment. You know, let's see if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can stay healthy. You have, obviously, Phoenix. I think Dallas, with Luka getting banged up the last couple of weeks, is a concern going forward. So there's a lot of teams with a lot riding on this. And, health, and obviously, the Pelicans, who've just gone in the tank after they lose uh, Brandon Ingram for a while and Zion, who's not going to be back until after the break. So it's having a real impact on the, the West going forward. Now, you know, Jay Crowder was sort of the Phoenix version of Kyrie Irving in the distractions department. Uh, yep. But but losing Mikhail Bridges is really going to hurt their perimeter defense and also their team chemistry. I mean, he was their constant this year. He was the guy who was in the lineup every game. Uh, when Booker and Paul were injured, you know, he stepped up. But I really think this trade is going to be great for DeAndre Ayton. I think he's going to totally flourish playing with KD for a couple of reasons. Number one, if he just focuses on defense and rebounding, which has always kind of been his thing, okay, he's going to get easy points by just cutting, keeping his head up, because KD is going to get double teamed. And, you know, and, and when he's down low or on the baseline, whatever, if DeAndre Ayton's just making himself a target, he's going to get a lot of easy buckets. 
And I also think KD's had a great defensive year too for Brooklyn. He's played great defense and he's a big, I mean, he's a good like 6'10", 6'11 guy. I think KD's going to help him a lot on defense. And I, one of my big complaints about Aiton has always been he hasn't really been a very aggressive shot blocker for a guy who's seven feet tall. Well, I think now that he's got KD out there with him, I think that might unlock him to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, blocking shots as well as patrolling the lane. So I think that Aiton stands to benefit big time by having KD out there with him at both ends of the court. Yeah, I would agree, Bruce. And I think a lot of pressure is taken off uh, DeAndre Aiton as well. I think Kevin Durant's going to get, obviously, the primary primary post touches. So he's going to take that pressure off DeAndre having to score in the, the low post to free things up outside. Um, and, and like you said, he can focus on the boards. He can focus on uh, blocking some more shots or just getting easier buckets because Kevin Durant on the block is going to demand a double team. So he's going to get some nice dump offs there. Just gonna have your hands ready. Of, <laughs> yeah, just have those hands ready because he he's going to get a lot of more, he's going to get spoon fed even more than he does right now with Chris Paul being his his point guard, if you can believe that. So. Um, I, I think this is a, a heck of a trade for Phoenix. I, I, I'm excited to see how it works out. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for all the Suns fans that both Chris Paul and Kevin Durant stay healthy. And then uh, one other minor move they made that I, I don't want to fail to mention is they did get off the contract of Dario Saric. I believe that was expiring money, uh, but they sent him along with a second round pick to Oklahoma City for Darius Baisley. Don't think that Baisley is actually going to stick in Phoenix. I think that's actually just going to open up a slot for them uh, to go ahead and add a buyout candidate. So they're going to have a, an open roster spot available. And that could also be interesting. I mean, if you get bought out by a team that you're on, who wouldn't want to play with Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker to try to win a championship? So they might have some good candidates that uh, could be interested in joining the Suns team. It's and a good day for the Suns. It's a really good day oh, for yeah. the Suns. Absolutely. By the way, and by the way, I I I don't disagree with anything you said about Aiton and whatever, how this could benefit him. But it's and I I get it. But can we baby the guy any more than we do already? The guy just signed a max deal in the offseason offer sheet, max deal. And we're we're talking about him like, oh, this will benefit him because he doesn't have to carry the load of the well, I just gave you a max contract. Carry something. Yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, come on. It's I. I get you know what KD brings and what it all means, and now they're legitimately a championship contender more so than they were a week ago. But we're talking about well, now DeAndre doesn't have to do this, or he doesn't. Have, well, he's got to do something here. He just they. Yeah. Just, he just wanted a max deal, and he got ticked off that the Suns didn't give it to him, and he made him sign the offer. She, you know. Uh, uh, Signed the uh, offer sheet that you know the the Pacers gave him, but like you gotta do something now. You gotta you, you gotta carry a little bit of the load. Yeah, I mean one thing with DeAndre Ayton, let's give him some credit here. Defensively, he's a guy that can be in a high pick and roll and doesn't get totally exposed. He moves his feet pretty well. He knows where to be on, positionally on the floor. So I think defensively, like that's one big thing going for him. He's a seven footer that can move. I wouldn't, of course, put him on a Bam Adebayo level, but he's certainly in the tier right below that yeah. at the top, and that's a hell of a value to have to a team that's playing in you know seven game playoff series. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And you're, I think you're right. And at the end of the day, I don't begrudge him for getting his money. Let's all get whatever we can get, and that's right. fine. 
it's just funny that you know he he wanted a match deal. The Pacers gave it to him. The Suns match, and now we're talking about him like, well, now he doesn't have to do this as much. He can do yeah. this, and it's all true. But it's like, at what point do you just no? You, Step up. I mean, and he has the last couple of games. He has the last couple of games. He's had a couple of 30, 15 games. He's playing like a he's playing like an all-star you know, at times. But it's just I get let's I'm stop with the baby and you know, DeAndre. Let's let's go out and dominate. Go out and he's, dominate. He's he's just moved one step down in the pecking order, though, right? Because right. It, yeah. so so in some ways it I mean I don't know much about his personality. But I have heard people say that he can be pretty laid back or whatever. So, you know, some guys, they might get the max contract, but they're not the alpha male mentality type. He might be more ideally suited to not necessarily do less, but do some of the dirty work things that he does just a little bit better. That's yeah. all. That's all. For sure. This is a wonderful and- opportunity for him. Yes. And with that, we've reached our halftime buzzer, and we will be back in just a moment. And we're back with the third quarter. And uh, to get us kicked off here for the second half, no other team to talk about than the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, they just had some history that took place with LeBron becoming the all-time scoring leader which was pretty exciting despite them losing that game against Oklahoma City. Um, But this deadline week, the Lakers also moved around some chess pieces as they continue to tinker with their complicated chemistry experiment. So will this deadline week increase their chances? And uh, I'll go over a little bit of the trades here and then let you guys kind of bounce your ideas off that. Um, They first moved Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Jones, and a lightly protected 2000. 27 first rounder, which was a prize pick, along with Russell Westbrook, of all players. And they shipped them out to Utah. D'Angelo Russell is headed to the Lakers, along with Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from Utah. And then, of course, Minnesota in that three-team swap receives Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And then today, on Thursday, earlier in the afternoon, they traded Patrick Beverly to Orlando in exchange for Mo Bamba. And uh, Thomas Bryant requested a trade after AD started to gobble up a lot of his minutes after having some strong performances with the Lakers. And uh, Bryant had his wish um, answered there as he was traded to the Denver Nuggets. So, fellas, what what do you take away from all these moves from the Lakers? And do you think LeBron, Anthony Davis are in any better spot than they were, say, a few days prior? If LeBron can grab drag this group of knuckleheads into the playoffs and do any damage at all in the postseason. It will be one more amazing achievement for the man who would be goat. Here's my favorite part of this trade. And there's so many good things to talk about here. We're probably headed to overtime today, but that's okay. I think with the Lakers, it's like they finally unloaded one Russell Westbrook and two little use reserved, as you said, and got back Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and another Russell, in this case, D'Angelo Russell. I find this move fascinating. Scotty Pippen Jr. is now going to be teammates with Malik Beasley, who was romantically involved with his mother, Larsa, within the past couple of years. <laughs> Has Scotty requested a trade yet? <laughs> I mean, no. what... 
WTF? We're trying to keep it clean here. Okay. Yep. How is that going to work, fellas? I mean, fortunately, Scotty Scotty Pippen Jr. is not a big piece to this puzzle, but definitely an awkward first introductory uh, welcome in the uh, locker room when he goes to shake his hand. Hi, I'm Malik. And he's like, yeah, I know who you are. Like, you were dating my mom a few months ago. So, unbelievable story there. Uh, fortunately for Malik Beasley, he does bring uh, an outside shot, which is much needed on this Lakers group. Um, definitely looking forward to see what he can do there. I've I've always been a big fan of J- Jared Vanderbilt. I know I've mentioned it on the show. Not quite sure how he fits with this mix of a team that already acquired Rui Hachimura just a few weeks ago. Um, I It's not doing much for me. D'Angelo Russell, I think uh, they're having a parade in Minnesota that he's gone. He's kind of been a train wreck there. Um, he, he can shoot a spot up three, but he just doesn't know exactly when – and when not to do that, I think he makes a lot of wild passes, takes a lot of wild shots, very inefficient player. I think he's going to drive LeBron to get some more gray hairs um, in the in the process. But I don't know, World B, can you help me out? Because I, 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 this Lakers team is just nonstop entertainment. And and I guess it's a wait-and-see approach at all times with this group. Is, is Anthony Davis going to stay healthy? We'll have to wait and see. Is this group going to mesh? We'll have to wait and see. What do you have to say? As Bruce pointed out, <laughs> with the Scotty Pippen, Malik Beasley fiasco, uh, <laughs> only the Lakers could get rid of their chemistry problem, or get rid of Russell Westbrook, and not improve their team chemistry. <laughs> I had only the Lakers could pull that off. How is that possible that you just get rid of somebody who, by all accounts, was a pain in the butt on the court and chemistry-wise, whatever, and you're no better than you were chemistry-wise in that locker room. So I I don't see where this improves. I think D'Angelo Russell wasn't as bad as, as Ross uh, makes out, especially of late. He had been playing better for them as they've been – as the uh, Wolves have been playing better. He's been one of the reasons. Um, I don't know where he fits into that lineup. Um He's another play. He's a better player than what they gave up. I'll put it that way. I think he's yeah. much better this year than than uh, Russell Westbrook was. I'm going to miss seeing uh, the highlight reels of Russell in the Laker uniform <laughs> taking uh, three pointers that bounce off the top of the backboard or <laughs> trying for a mid range bank shot that hits nothing but the backboard <laughs> and bypasses the rim entirely. I'm going to miss that. Um, that that was a, a treat all its own, but it really doesn't put them in any better spot, I don't think, than they were uh, when the day began. And they're still battling to just to get in the play-in tournament. It doesn't put them any better. Uh, it's all going to be on KD and LeBron at the end of the day. And they haven't shown, since AD's come back, they haven't shown the ability to dominate when they're on the court yet. They just haven't. When I talked about the knuckleheads that, that LeBron's going to have to drag into the post. Knucklehead number one is D'Angelo Russell. I'm sure you all recall, he started his career as a Laker. He was drafted by the Lakers. He got his butt traded because, you may also remember, he leaked video of Nick Young, Swaggy P, talking about cheating on Iggy Azalea and earned himself the snitch label, okay? About the worst label of 
teammate can have, okay? Is he a trustworthy teammate? Is someone like LeBron James going to trust this guy? You know, is 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 Darvin Ham going to trust this guy? That's part of why this whole Laker discussion is so much fun to me. Between the the, the Pippen Beasley dynamic <laughs> and the D'Angelo Russell, you know, snitch dynamic, and then oh, Mo Bamba is only there because he got in that fight a couple a week and a half ago. Orlando probably said, "We've had it with this dude. Let's get him out of here." Okay, so you talk about like taking a situation of turmoil and just like stirring in some new stuff that could just make it worse. I love it. Well, hopefully D'Angelo Russell learned his lesson long ago. I mean, he was a younger player then, but while we're on the topic of video and and cameras, I really hope Patrick Beverly takes his camera down to Orlando. And before he gets bought out, you know, that camera he had in Boston, I hope he takes a few photos at Disney world (laughs) because, you know, I don't know how long his stay is going to be, but certainly I think getting him out of L.A. is probably for the best, too. I mean, he obviously couldn't shoot. Um, he had his off the, he had his on the court antics that probably were growing old within the uh, Lakers organization. S- same same with LeBron. And, uh, you know, and another part of this with Mo Bamba is the one thing I'll give him credit for is, you know, Mo Bamba is a little bit more athletic than Thomas Bryant. You know, he's more of a shot blocker, a guy that can catch a lob. And um, I think they're close, but I'd say Mo Bamba's a better three-point shooter on the few times that he does get a pick-and-pop opportunity. So kind of curious to see him there. I mean, he was in a situation in Orlando where there were like five centers. So he's now coming into a role where he's got to be the primary backup unless they go with Wenyan Gabriel. But they obviously traded for him for a reason. And – you know, if Anthony Davis goes down, we're really going to be able to see what Mo Bamba can do. So uh, I, the, the Bamba piece of it is something I'm actually excited to see just because, uh, you know, maybe he just needed a, a clean slate, a new clean plate, get away from Orlando and see if this is just a better situation playing with better players. Um, but we'll be, what do you have to say on Bamba? You got to get, you're our Orlando correspondent. Well, I'll tell you this. First things first, I'm a, I'm a Thomas Bryant fan. I have been for a long time. So I, and I happen to think, He's a better player than Mo Bamba. Maybe okay. Mo Bamba, or at least he's a more productive player, or he's proven to be. Mo Bamba may have more potential down the line, but he hasn't shown it yet to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does, He's shown it at times, just not as much as I think Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant's just a victim of bad health. He's he's produced whenever he's had his time. Um, as far as you know, down in Orlando, it was a case of uh, Wendell Carter Jr. was getting the starting minutes. They have Mo Wagner coming off the bench who could start for a lot of teams, too. He's he's a very talented player. And then Jonathan Isaac getting back on the court really made th- – there was just no minutes to go around for Mo Bamba. If you're picking between those three, Jonathan Isaac showed that – or he's showing. I shouldn't say he's only getting about 10 minutes a night. But he's showing in those minutes that he is capable of really being a productive player more so than Mo Bamba. And at the end of the day, it's – well – there's only so many minutes to go around it at the front court position. And, you know, if I'm picking between those four, Mo's out. Mo Bamba is out. So that's where that went. Uh, they need to free up minutes for younger players. You know, some of the other young guys, which that's all they have these days are young guys, yeah. it seems like. And so he was kind of the odd man out. I don't think the stupid fight that they had last week really it probably didn't help but I don't know if that was 
a deciding fight. He wasn't getting playing time. There was a reason he got in the fight on the bench because he was on the bench. <laughs> you know, and I don't think that really the fight really uh, made a difference. Uh, I think the fact that he wasn't getting time and let's see what we can do in term and you know if they buy out Beverly and free up a spot and free up cap space all that stuff going forward it only helps the magic i think i think yeah. you got to give rob polenka some credit on that one because he got mo bamba for nothing i mean patrick beverly yeah. is was is really at this point in his career he's just you know somebody'll pick him up probably but patrick beverly is really not that good and he's old Mo Bamba is at least young and, you know, and, and as you said before, um, AD needs a reliable backup, A, to keep his minutes down and B, to just be there when he gets yeah. hurt, which usually happens once or twice a season. Well, my thing was, I think he, they had the backup in Thomas Bryant. Now you say he wanted, he wanted a trade. Okay. Well, now he's going to Denver He's backing up yeah. an MVP, so I mean, I mean maybe playing Denver now. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it wasn't exactly. I want more minutes. Maybe it was the uh, chaotic atmosphere that comes with being a Laker these days. Uh, so I don't know if they improved or not. Like I said, I'm a bigger fan of Thomas Bryant than Mo Bamba. Um, and then they wanted shooting help, and they get Malik Beasley, which is fine. But we talked about it early on in this in our podcast. Right up the road is Malik Monk, another Malik that they could have yeah. just kept and didn't have to make all these moves and could have provided the three point shooting that they obviously need because LeBron James for his excellence and everything and AD for his all star capability. AD doesn't shoot the three anymore. Thankfully, he's his work should be more in the post and LeBron for all his greatness and we've talked about. It, I'm a big, huge fan of his. He's having a terrible season shooting the three. Just terrible. And if those are your two main players and neither one of them, either one's not taking the three anymore and the other one can't hit it, yeah, you need shooters. But you had one, is my point, mm-hmm. you know, months ago. Yep. And one other thing I wanted to do before we move on to our fourth quarter here is I think we'd be doing a disservice if we failed to mention Mike Conley heading to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, we had talked about Anthony Edwards maybe needing some mentoring, needing, you know, some help, some guidance. What better player? I think that, I mean, people people have given the Minnesota Timberwolves a hard time of, like, you traded all those guys and uh, what did you get back? It, I think Mike Conley is going to be a blessing in disguise to Anthony Edwards' career. I think he's going to put him in good positions out on the floor, calling his sets, getting him the ball when he needs it, where he needs it, and – I, I'm looking forward to that pairing in the backcourt there in Minnesota, getting a very solid seasoned veteran who's stable at the point guard position, much more consistent than a D'Angelo Russell, and uh, kind of see where this takes Anthony Edwards. What do you guys think? I agree. I, I'm a huge Mike Conley fan, always have been. Um, people forget there was a time that he was the highest paid player in the NBA. When he signed his contract a number of years ago, he signed like a five-year deal for like 150-something million dollars. You know, that was like $30 million a year. I don't think anybody made $30 million a year before he signed that contract. Uh, So this is a guy who's aging pretty well. You know, we talked about Harrison Barnes aging well a couple of shows ago. Mike Conley's aging well, too. And as you 
correctly pointed out, that is a veteran influence, a professional guy, doesn't care about his own numbers, wants to win some games, wants to help a guy like Anthony Edwards, so he'll be an all-star for the next number of years. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a wonderful pickup for a young team to have a guy like that. And you look at that lineup, all of a sudden, you know, I mentioned Minnesota a couple episodes ago. They were my team of the moment, team on the rise, and they've actually been keeping with that, which goes against everything I say. My predictions, usually Jeez. they go right in the poopers. Thank you, New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop on them. But, if you, you know, to be serious about it, I have a nice solid backcourt with uh, Conley and now Edwards. Rudy Gobert will give him time to get solidified there a little bit more, I suppose. Well, even though it well, has- let, let me cut you off real quick. Is anyone more familiar with Rudy Gobert than Mike Conley? Right. That's, right. That's an right. excellent point. And that, let's assume it can only help his game because it really hasn't had the impact on on Minnesota as they were hoping for. And they're stuck with him for a while, so it better you better do something to make it work. And then you know, Carl Anthony Towns when he gets healthy, that's a you got to fill out the the last spot. But that's a decent group to build on and compete with down the stretch. It's going to be health with Mike Conley. It's you know that's what it is with all these other guys. It's going to be a health issue with him going forward. If he can stay healthy, that's a nice piece to bat. I don't know where they are in the championship level, but that's a really competitive, a solid playoff-type uh, potential lineup in Minnesota. Yeah, I think just to kind of close things off here on Minnesota, they can only go as far as Anthony Edwards can take them. I think the bottom Absolutely. line is how he plays is how it increases their chances or de- decreases my guy. their chances. So, that's, so that's my all-star. I, Remember that. <laughs> I think I think they took that into consideration, kind of realized that as well. They're only going to be as good as Anthony Edwards can be. And if you can bring in a guy like Mike Conley that can help elevate his game and is also familiar with Rudy Gobert, helping him maybe make a easier transition of getting back to who he used to be in Utah, this was a great gamble and a great pickup. And I think it's kind of fell on a little under the radar. So I wanted to be sure we mentioned it on tonight's no, spot. I totally agree. Good job, so. Ross. All righty. And for our fourth and final quarter, just kind of wanted to open it up to any other trades that really caught your guys' attention around the league. I do want to point out there were only two teams that didn't make a single move this deadline week, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers. Of course, they went ahead and made a huge splash in the offseason. So, uh, you know, they already kind of made their big move in Donovan Mitchell from Utah. And the one that was a little weird, didn't make one move at all, the Chicago Bulls. But other than that, I don't know if you guys want to touch upon that fact or any other deals around the league. Just wanted to open the floor here. Well, also, Miami didn't really do anything either. So Yeah, that's and, true. And, and that's a team that's very incomplete at this point. But, I mean, what? who would they move? Kyle Lowry? Who wants Kyle Lowry at this point? I mean, the guy's yeah. a spent force, and he's making like $40 million bucks. So I think, you know, they're just going to have to live with him. No, to me, the the one that really, like, you know, made, made a lot of waves in my mind is, is the Dr- Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee, okay? He's now on his third team in less than 24 hours. That's pretty good. He's not <laughs> quite in Billy Owens territory yet, but, you know, he might be getting there, you know. I think it's an incredibly good move for the Bucks. He's been in bubble wrap all season. He's healthy. He's rested. He's got fresh legs. 
He's got to play a third of the season. His energy down the stretch should really help gas up that team for a, a nice closing run. Uh, and he's a Milwaukee guy, or at least, you know, like yourself, a, a, Marquette, a Marquette guy. Yep. Yep. So I think Milwaukee, and what did they give up for him? Just draft picks, right? And not even yep. first-round draft picks. So I think that puts Milwaukee right there, maybe even, a, a, a if not even with Boston, maybe even a, a slight bit above Boston. Uh, if those two teams play in the playoffs, I think it's guaranteed to go seven games. And that, that and that's, and Jay Crowder has really been a, a, is a big reason I feel that way. Rule B, any uh, trade stand out to you? Well, it's a little under the radar move and I don't, it's not going to get a whole lot of attention. I think Luke Kennard ended up in Memphis. Yes. Uh, can, can help them. I'm, I looked at the numbers. I, I really have a hard time understanding. I, and I'm not questioning because I'm a big Ty Lue fan. I don't know why he wasn't getting the minutes with the Clippers. And Memphis needs shooting. We've talked about it over and over. They're a great high offensive efficiency team that can't shoot. They were really – it was really weird how that worked out. But now, here, you know, Desmond Bain can shoot, obviously. Luke Kennard can be a shooter. It can only help this team. They didn't need to make a huge splash. They need to get Stephen Adams healthy. They need to get some um, – you know, calm down. It's a long season. The John Morant garbage hopefully will die down for his sake, but certainly for the Grizzlies' sake. And I think Canary can really solidify that bench and help them really uh, keep from packing it in. And a guy that can hit the shot when John Morant, who leads the league in drives or is among them in drives, dishes it out to a guy like Desmond Bain or Luke Canard on the court at the same time. So I'll be interested in that. I think Bruce's uh, team. Mike Muscala is not a bad uh, pickup. It's an under the radar thing, but he adds depth. He's tenth in. He was tenth in minutes on um, Oklahoma City, and he was fourth in three pointers. So he's making the most of you know time he has on the court. Uh, the other things are you know they could work themselves out, but you know we I don't know how many second round picks got traded. I didn't have enough time to add all that up, but apparently I told Bruce off air. I think maybe a lot of these teams. There's some. There might be some rumor going around that the NBA is going to do away with the second round of drafts from now on, and everybody just <laughs> decided to unload what they have for the future. But other than that, I can't figure out why second round picks became the thing. Yeah, and I think the Bucks traded five second round picks for Jay Crowder and their deal. And uh, an interesting part of that trade too is they went ahead and. Uh, sent Jordan Nuora, George Hill, and Serge Ibaka to the Indiana Pacers. And what that essentially did for Milwaukee, much like the Sarge trade for Phoenix, is it opened up two roster spots. So they were able to go ahead and uh, keep those open for buyout candidates as well. So there's a lot of top contenders around the league that have some open roster spots now for you know, the buyout market, and that's right around the corner to see who who starts getting released off some of these rosters. Now, the one I wanted to talk about that I found interesting was uh, the James Wiseman trade to Detroit. Wiseman reportedly was on uh, their GM's uh, top board as the number one pick in that draft. They, of course, landed, I think, the uh, second pick in that? Yeah, second. No, seventh pick. They got uh, Killian Hayes. But... Yes. They, they, they were able to go ahead and get their guy in James Wiseman here and get him at such a easy cost here. I mean, they just traded five second-round picks for James Wiseman, and 
that's a heck of a pickup for Detroit. It's the second straight year. They've kind of taken a swing at some of these top lottery guys that haven't really panned out last year. It was, uh, it was Bagley out of Sacramento. This time they get an even younger, probably higher ceiling guy in James Wiseman. And uh, you know, the question was kind of asked online before we started posting, I did some research and uh, it's, it's a cost, cost saving move for golden state. And from what John Hollinger had tweeted out, this, this trade alone is going to save them $131 million when you when you break down the salaries along with the luxury tax so it was it was a tremendous cost cutting move for uh golden state of course they're licking their wounds they could have had lamello ball or some of the other top guys that have turned out to be big talents in that draft but uh you know very curious to see what james wiseman can do hopefully he'll get an opportunity to play now um just really hope he doesn't take away too much of jalen duran's time because uh, he's been outstanding for that pistons ball club uh when he's moved into the starting lineup. So Golden State took those five second rounders and they traded them to Portland for Gary Payton the second. So yeah. really that trade was James Wiseman for Gary Payton the second, who they had last year. Yeah. And, and they didn't pay him. He got a big payday in Portland, but as we know, and as I just mentioned, uh, Warriors deep into the luxury tax. So uh, kind of had to pay a price there and it had to be uh, their number one overall pick from just a few years ago. So uh, not a, not a significant move as far as uh, talking about the Warriors improving, um, but they were at least able to go ahead and improve that payroll. Um, By the way, those- the Clippers getting the Clippers getting uh, Eric Gordon from, yes. from Houston is, was a, I know his name was mentioned a lot. It was, it was a bit of a puzzler in that, you know, Luke Kennard got traded just because, I don't know what Luke Kennard is has done to warrant not being on the court a lot, but Eric Gordon is not having a very good season shooting the ball. And I know he's a veteran, but his last postseason experience was three seasons ago in the bubble with, with Houston. It's not as he's been stuck in Houston for the last few years. Now maybe that's motivation, whatever, but it's not like he has a wealth of postseason experience to bring to the Clipper, which doesn't need it anyway when you have Paul George and Kawhi. But I don't understand. You got rid of a shooter, a better shooter in, in Luke Kennard, and you brought in a veteran in uh, Eric Gordon, who's really not much of a shooter right now. I mean, we fixed it great, but in present day, he's not much of a shooter. They also yeah. got Bones Highland from Denver, yep. who's going to help them out. But to me, the really significant move they made, and those two are significant, but I think getting Mason Plumley to back up Ivica Zubats is a really significant move because Zubats has played great for those guys. But as you both have pointed out numerous times on this show, he's got no backup. He has nobody to help him. He gets in foul trouble. You saw it the other game when they had to put Robert Covington in to play center when he got in foul trouble and the guy just got completely torched because he's like 6'5". So now, and maybe that's, that game, you know, motivated, uh, you know, against Milwaukee, right? Giannis just lit him up. Yes. So yep. um, now you have Mason Plumley, who is a, an adventure at the free throw line, but is a solid passer and a, and a, and a big enough presence in the paint that uh, they don't lose a ton when they put him in for Zubats. I totally agree with you there, Bruce. I think he's going to be a huge uh, piece off that bench, kind of give them a second unit spark. Um, to, to go ahead and help out Zubak there. And, uh, you know, Zubak's had to manage a, 
a huge load this year as far as minutes are concerned. So maybe they can dial that back a bit, make sure he stays fresh for the for the playoffs. And then you also mentioned Bones Highland. I think Highland was brought in simply because they got him for two second round picks. I mean, that was a heck of a steal getting him from yeah. Denver. I don't know what Denver's beef is with him, but it, I would have to assume that him and Mike Malone just don't mesh well or something. But uh, that was another great get by the Clippers and kind of an insurance policy because it does seem like uh, there's reports going around. Paul George is, has been actively recruiting Russell Westbrook to, uh, you know, not sell his, uh, nearby apartment just yet uh he can just move if he's bought out from utah he can just come across the street and play with the clippers but uh you know they we, we've la basketball the is a year. gift that doesn't stop giving <laughs> yeah. i totally expect that to happen by the way oh, i totally man, that, expect russell westbrook great. to end up on the clippers yeah i mean, it, it, I mean what, how great is that it's just unbelievable and so my final thought for you guys, I know we're, we're, I'm not sure we're doing this tonight, but Eric Gordon, we mentioned him. He had been on the trade block for years and years, and he was just stuck through it all in Houston. Are we now honoring John Collins as the new Eric Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> he might be. I don't get the whole John Collins thing. John <laughs> Collins is a good player. He's a really good guy. I've spoken to him. He's, he's, I don't, I mean, there must be something going on there. I've always had a lot of respect for John Collins, and I think he's a good player. I don't I don't think he's a, a bad presence in your locker room. So I don't know. I mean, they're not going to buy him 70, out, I mean, obviously. $75 so. million for the next three years after this season. That's the, that's the reason behind John Collins. Yeah, but then play him. Well, they play him, I know. But I don't know. I mean – there's guys making a lot of money that aren't as good as John Collins, but I I agree. I his numbers just haven't he hasn't lived up to where he was when he signed the deal. He was a 2010 guy a few seasons ago that that got him a nice contract, and he just hadn't been able to um, I don't want to say live up to the contract, but match his production that he had initially uh, when he got you know that got him this deal. That's to me that's the biggest thing that is going. Uh, against him hey yeah. ross and michael this is for both of you all right the knicks get josh hart from portland reuniting him with his teammate from villanova jalen brunson i think that's another nice under the radar move i think josh hart's a good player he's like a he's a beefy guy he's like six five by 230 you know can play physical game uh Comes from that Villanova program where, you know, guys generally play the right way who come through the Jay Wright system. I think that's a nice – I think Tom Thibodeau is going to love that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see who uh, falls out of the rotation now that uh, Josh Hart's aboard here. I mean, of course, they still got Barrett, Grimes. Um, somehow they still have Fournier, but uh, I, I like it. He's going to be – he's going to bring added toughness. Definitely is a Thibodeau-type guy, and uh, – you know what? They can even have dinner with Mikel Bridges uh, on off nights, so they can they get the whole trio back together. Worked out the, perfect. The best, the the unsung winner of that deal were Nick fans like myself that don't have to watch games anymore and see the camera pan down at the end of the bench at Cam Reddish, and yes. the question is like, why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? Well, it's because yeah. he can't play. There's a reason. That's why. Oh yeah. I you know, I don't I didn't have look up my numbers or do my calculations, but that's what it all comes down to. So every game you see him, the, the, the camera pans down to him and uh, wonder well, why doesn't he get more time? Why do you, well 
can't play. If, you, if you're a shooter, outside shooter, and can't shoot, kind of running out of things for you to do. So yeah. it's a uh, that, that. So I, I agree. I think it could help them. Uh, all jokes aside, I think it could actually help them. But then, where they go? Where they going to get out of it? Are they going to get out of the play-in tournament field? I, at this point, I don't see it. No, yeah, probably not. But but they can still be better. I mean, they could still end yeah, up yeah. with a good record. You know. Yep. I got nothing else, guys. I think we emptied our bag pretty good here. I think we did, yeah. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to our special NBA trade deadline edition of the 48 Minutes podcast. We'll be back with you next week. We hope you have a great weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday. Take care, everybody.